Uh, we call this Jewish values in troubled times. And uh, so often I find that a title helped me focus my thoughts. So troubled times, I think we got that. Um, Jewish values, that's just a word. Like, do we agree? What, what are Jewish values? What are values? So what I want to do first, before we do anything else, is help us define terms, which is how I always like to have conversations, because if one of us thinks it's one thing and the other thinks it's another thing, we're just talking past each other, right? So I want to get some general consensus on what, what, uh, what Jewish values. And a good definition of values I found is values are basic and fundamental beliefs that guide or motivate our attitudes or actions. Okay, so values are basic and fundamental beliefs about how we should be uh, and how we should live and how we should act that guide or motivate our attitudes or actions. Sometimes our values are articulated and we actively consult them as we make decisions. Often our values are unarticulated and we're just acting a certain way because that's the way you do it, right? So a good goal is to articulate our values so that we can become more conscious decision makers. Now another aspect of values is uh, that they can often be in conflict. We can have two values that in a given situation are in conflict with each other. For example, in our synagogue, um, when we were moving into the new building, this is just an example. I'm not gonna, we, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but this is a good example. Uh, we had conflicting values. Um, one was that we wanted to honor Jewish tradition as one of our values, and therefore, should our kitchen be kosher? However, another value is to be as inclusive as possible, um, uh, which meant that if we had a kosher kitchen, people couldn't bring dishes from their own home. So, that, so we had conflicting values. And we sat on the ritual committee seeing how we would weigh and how we would honor our conflicting values. Does that make sense, everybody? So the solution, so, but it was a really conscientious discussion about what are our values. And this is actually a whole, whole thing that I learned from the Reconstructionist Movement, which is my movement called Values-Based Decision Making, which is a conscientious process of articulating your values and then making decisions based on those values. And so many times we don't go with one value, but we come up with a compromise that honors both in the best way that this situation can manifest it, right? And that's often how values-based decisions are made. Um, how nice it would be if it was clear all the time, right? But the truth is life is about compromising with different um, values and attitudes that we have and coming up with what we think is um, an honorable and viable solution. So in that case, we decided the kitchen wouldn't be kosher, but it would be kosher style. That is, we wouldn't serve milk and meat together so that people would feel the, the sense of it being Jewish, uh, but that would allow for people to bring dishes. Uh, on the other hand, if anyone is kosher, we would procure kosher meals for them so that they could feel included. And our challah and our wine is always kosher. So that 
at least everyone could participate in the ritual, right? So I thought it was a good solution. Uh, and it's worked for us, you know, for a long time now. So that's just, that's an example. So what I want to start with is um, Ellen's kind enough to be our, 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 our scribe. Um, I, I really, there, even within the Jewish world, as you might imagine, there wouldn't be a, a total consensus on what Jewish values are. So I want us now to brainstorm together and to, for anyone who wants to, to articulate what they think is a Jewish value, something that Jews, uh, basic and fundamental beliefs that guide or motivate our, our Jewish communal behavior. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Lori. It's possible to improve the world. It's possible to improve the world. Tikkun olam. That's the Hebrew name of that value. Uh, Jane. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Clearly, that's a Jewish value uh, because it's the central aspect of the high holidays. Um, that doesn't mean we're good at it. But um, help, help people less fortunate than yourself. Mm -hmm. Help people less fortunate. It's a, clearly, the widow, the orphan, and the stranger are a, a biblical value that's been maintained by the Jewish world to the present, right? <coughs> Just look at all the charitable organizations that the Jewish community developed as immigrants to this country. Yes? Social justice, Social justice. equity. Fairness, justice, shall, justice shall you pursue. Um, treat high and low alike. This, again, core Jewish value. I'm, I'm keeping looking for hand. Joseph. Torah. Torah. Um, how, how would you say that's a Jewish value and as a basic and fundamental belief that guides and motivates actions? All that is Torah. Pardon? All that is Torah. Mm -hmm. All that is in Torah, the that you need. Are Torah supposed to guide our and motivate our attitudes and actions. Right. Preservation of nature. Protecting nature. Uh, definitely, uh, there's plenty of that that we can see as a consistent Jewish value, though I would say in the, in the centuries of our being disconnected from having our own land, it retreated. And uh, now we need to reclaim it. Ronnie? many, many years, and to maintain the awareness that we're Jewish and that we have to remember we're Jewish and continue it. I would call that value remember. Remember, okay. Don't you think that's like, it, doesn't that speak to you as a Jew, that that's a core Jewish value? To remember, remember. So, that, so that you don't, do not forget, you know, so that you carry it forward. Uh, I hope that articulates in a, a short phrase. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Sure. Uh, uh, Joan and then Nishama? Maybe a follow-up to that really is the passing on from one generation to another. Yeah. It's the very value of teaching and passing away. Okay, I would say two things. Door, me door le door, from generation to generation, the pass it on is clearly a Jewish value to me, right? Uh, and then teaching, teaching and learning. 
you know, a core value that would motivate our attitudes and actions, the value of teaching and learning. Mark. Oh, sorry, Nishama. One God, and everything that would continue from that assumption uh, to guide or motivate our attitudes and actions. Neshama? Welcoming the stranger. Yes, welcoming the stranger. Clearly a consistent Jewish value. Um, I'm sorry, whose hand did I? Uh, uh, yes, Ruth. Oh, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Gabrielle. Yeah. Yeah, um, Rabbi Akiva in the second century said this is the central principle of the Torah. Uh, Joe. Don't murder. Do not murder, uh, which I would say, I would, I would phrase that in the positive, which is the value of human life. Right? The value of human life. Because in Jewish values, saving a life is also, just as love your neighbor yourself is considered a central principle, Jewish tradition articulates that saving a life can override other commandments. For instance, the Talmud gives examples of if, someone needs, if someone's fainting on Yom Kippur, you have to give them food. If somebody is uh, uh, um, uh, in danger, like they give, as always, the rabbi's way in the Talmud is to give extreme examples, such as if a, 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 building's on, a synagogue's on fire, you can use the Torah scroll to wrap someone in it in order to save their life, right? Human life is more sacred than physical objects. Um, so yes, saving a life, uh, whatever, the value of human life. Yes, the inestimable value of human life. Just as an extension of that, that we're all made in the image of God. Yes, there's one God, and we are all made in the image of God. That's called Selem Elohim in, in Hebrew. Uh, and all of that fundamental, I mean, it's in Genesis chapter 1, right? We are all made in the image of God. That, that, that core understanding informs all Jewish values. It's fascinating. David? Honor your parents. Honor your parents. That's a Jewish value for sure. And maybe it fits in with uh, generation to generation. But it's its own thing. Uh, Jane, and then Tanya. That's why we're brainstorming. I, I'm hoping you can interpret it. But I know in the Kashrut laws, there's something to do with animals. Yes. Also, I remember hearing once that we're supposed to feed and take care of our animals even before our children. Or before we feed ourselves or our children. Right. So in rabbinic law, there is a whole category called Sa'ar Ba'alei Chayim, which means preventing cruelty to animals treating animals with kindness. And even though, again, as a kind of, these come from a time when we lived with our animals, right? Our farm animals, our pack animals, our, you know, and uh, uh, the Torah and rabbinic tradition are really clear about how we're supposed to make sure our animals are not treated cruelly, including in the Ten Commandments, in the Shabbat commandment, our animals have to have a day of rest too. So that is a clear, our work animal, so that is a clear uh, uh, Jewish value. Um, Tanya? The importance of words and speech. The importance of words and speech. In Hebrew, it's called shmirat halashon, guarding our tongue. This is a, if you study Jewish um, uh, uh, text, this is a hugely important topic. 
how we use words to constructively or destructively. So a Jewish value is to choose our words carefully. Uh, now, that doesn't mean we are doing great at that, but uh, it is a core Jewish value. Thank you. Other hands? Joan? Right. It's part of it. So choosing words that not to not, the Shmirat HaLashon means guarding the tongue. A subcategory of that is called avoiding Lashon Hara, which is um, slander, shaming, um, debasing language. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Psychic, there are souls, to, to be gentle with each other's souls. I think that's implied in um, both how we use our language and the value of life and the fact that everyone's made in God's image that derives from all of that. Uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I think, I, I, I don't have a name for it, but I think it's included in all of that. Warren? Uh, speaking truth to power. Speaking truth to power. Um, Yes, yes. Again, the Hebrew prophets would go up to the royal court and say the Lord, and up to the temple and say that God despises your festivals because while you are while you are sacrificing and and being uh, outwardly pious, you are crushing the poor with your fists. Right. This is all over the Torah. So you said it again. Truth to power. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I don't know what to, how to say that in Hebrew. I think you were thinking of compassion. Can you tell me about Rachmanus? Rachmanus, yes. Rachmanus is Yiddish for compassion. And I think that's a clear Jewish value, to be, behave with compassion. Uh, there were more hints. Yes. Yeah. Family life. Yes. The, the importance of family. The centrality of family. Connected to that is the Jewish value called Shalom Bayit which is peace in the home, which means um, uh, uh, con being concerned for family harmony. This is where there's a lot of discussion. Just, I'll call on you a second. There's a lot of discussion um, because it's a value to be honest and tell the truth, emet, right? To tell the emes, to be truthful. And yet, it's a value to preserve harmony in the home. So there are big discussions about what is it you actually need to say? Or what can you, how do you, how, when is it okay not to tell the truth? Like there's this debate between Hillel and Shammai that's again iconic because uh, Hillel, Shammai, who is always sort of like more like this, um, says, uh, Shammai says, Sham, House of Shammai says, what do you say to a bride who's ugly? <laughs> and you say, you tell them. And Hillel says, what, are you crazy? You tell them they're beautiful and gorgeous. You know, it's like, so again, for this idea of, of when you speak the truth, it's only if it's serving, uh, not tearing people down, right? It's a very interesting thing. That, of course, is a different debate when it comes to public discourse, right? Uh, uh, but that would be the understanding that you don't attack people, you attack policies, right? Um, and you can debate that without attacking people. Um, Mark? 
I don't know if this is if this is in a, in the, written down, but how about uh, having integrity and honesty in business? Yes, the business ethics in Judaism are very deep. Do not put a finger on the scale. Do not have different weights and measures. Do not, all of that in the Torah then expands into volumes of the Talmud about integrity and ethics and business dealings. Yes? Well, the word that's under all of that is tzedakah. Right. I think it deserves its own mo moment here because... The value of giving tzedakah so that the less fortunate uh, can live with dignity. But I think in the larger sense, the balance that it's meant to convey, tzedakah meaning justice. Well, I would, I would say that, yes. So I would say that tzedek, which is justice, and tzedakah, which is giving to the, I put them in the same umbrella, but they actually, they're a little different and very related on the same tree because they have the same word. Tzedek, you shall pursue justice. You shall judge high and low alike fairly. You shall not take bribes for bribes twist, uh, blind the eyes of the just, uh, and twist the words of the, you shall not be a false witness, as the Ten Commandments say. So all of that, this idea that justice has to pertain to every single human being because we're all made in Selim Elohim, in the image of God. You can see how they all weave together. And then the beautiful thing about the Hebrew word tzedakah, which is charity in English, is that in Hebrew it means justice. So that the only way I can describe what tzedakah is in English is the just redistribution of resources. So that everyone, it's not about, um, Judaism has never promoted that there can't be rich and poor, right? It's never said we should all be the same. But it has always said that every human being should be able to live with dignity and not be shamed. And that's where the core teachings of tzedakah come from. We're supposed to give so that people can live with dignity, and we're supposed to give in a way so that people don't feel shamed because they don't have uh, enough money. So tzedakah is a really core Jewish value. Uh, I saw other hands. Glenn? Humility. Humility, yes. I would say that's a key Jewish value. What does God ask of you, says Prophet Micah? Only this, to pursue justice, to love mercy, and to or compassion and to walk humbly with your God. So humility in Jewish text is central. Um, and of course, that also pertains to Passover uh, and um, the old teaching, long, long, long teaching about the matzah being about humility, being poor people's bread, not being puffed up like Pharaoh, but rather uh, understanding, that, that, understanding that quality. Shelley? To give anonymously is a subcategory of tzedakah, and you don't have to write that down because that's considered to be a very, a very uh, uh, um, elevated form of tzedakah because then you're not looking for anything and the person receiving can receive it without feeling beholden. So giving anonymously, and again, <coughs> my teacher Rabbi Ira Eisenstein of blessed memory one of his definitions of Judaism was that it was a 3,000-year-long conversation about ethics. That, and I think that's true. I think it's one of the amazing things about being Jewish, is that we inherit a tradition, and that's why I'm having this conversation with you, where our values and ethics are something we continue to talk about and refine. Um, and 
just that conversation is, Jew, is a core Jewish value. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. Care of the dead. Uh, yes, um, uh, to, to, because that's a subset of in the image of God. Um, because we're made in the image of God, each one of us is in some sense um, sacred, uh, our essence. And so uh, one of the reasons in Jewish tradition why traditionally you don't cremate is because you want to return the body with honor and integrity back into the soil because in the, the, it's, it's part of the, 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 the earth. God created the human being out of the elements of the earth and then blew the spirit into and it became a living being. So when the spirit leaves and goes back to God, we want to return the sacred container back to the earth. Right, between the period of death and burial, the body is prepared in Jewish tradition, guarded, washed, dressed, all of it with this concept of treating someone with ultimate respect and dignity, not discarding them. And again, that's why I put it in a category of we're all made in the image of God, but it's an important subcategory. Jane? Um, I've been thinking about that, but I'd like to just kind of mark it somewhere. Mm -hmm. The burial society that Jew, the Hebrew Kaddisha that Jews formed. I wasn't sure. I've been home for over a year and haven't heard anything. Talk to Michelle. Yeah, we have a Hebrew Kaddisha. We do? Neshama. Thankfulness and gratitude. Yes, thankfulness and gratitude. All you have to do is look at our prayer book, and it's 90% thankfulness and gratitude. Yes, so. Yes, Ted. Um, you know, I was reading an article about this, and philosophers, the ph people who do this stuff, they talk about norms, beliefs, obligations, values, ethics. It's like, and I thought, I can't do this today. So, no, I can't. <laughs> I think our obligations are informed by our values. Um, and I would say the word for obligation in Hebrew is mitzvot. Right? That there's things that we are commanded to do that are not optional. And I think that's a way of describing well, one of the things you were talking about death moments ago is when you go to the Bitsoilum, you go with a bucket of water and soap and you wash off the stone. Now, to me, that's an obligation. You want to call it a value that Jews have that maybe something. Oh, oh, Ted, here's what I'd say. <laughs> the feeling of obligation to take care of the gravestone of your family member is based on the, important, the values of the importance of family, the values of generation to generation, the values of, so I'd say, our, I would say, uh, on standing on one foot, that our obligations derive, our sense of obligation derives from our values. Because someone else would say, what do you need to do that for? And you'd have to say, well, because my core values are. So that's how I would respond to that. Rabbi Miriam? Arguments for the sake of heaven. Arguments for the sake of heaven. It's a Jewish value to debate, but to debate for a higher purpose. This, that's, that's, that fits in with the value of, 
what did, what did we call it before? Um, I said a 3,000 year long discussion of ethics. ethics. No, yeah, argument for the sake of heaven. That it's a Jewish value to really debate, right? But not to debate just for the sake of debating, but to debate in order to clarify what the right thing to do is. And yes, I think for many of us, I think I could say this, that is a Jewish value that we cherish, all of us cherish, even if it drives us crazy. Um, Carol? Um, celebration and joy. Celebration and joy. We forget that one sometimes. Eating, <laughs> celebration, celebration and joy, simcha. And choose life. Choose life. Oh, um, yeah, I would use that phrase up there too, choose life. Yes. Inclusiveness. Inclusiveness. Okay. Now this gets, well, this gets to, this is a conflicted value. Let me say something about this. Um, as as modern American Jews who do not consider ourselves to be orthodox or ultra-orthodox, um, we have embraced American values and integrated them into our community. So that doesn't mean it's not a Jewish value, but I would say that ancient Jewish values are certainly about treating everyone, you know, we're in the, in the pre-modern period, there was a set of values for how you treat your in-group. And then there were additional important uh, uh, understandings of how you treat everybody else. But there was us, and there was everybody else. That's the way the world was organized, right? Until the modern period, and especially until American democracy, when this idea emerged that somehow we were a melting pot. That's so new in human history. So new, we forget. I'm a reconstructionist, which means I follow the approach to Judaism of Rabbi Mordechai Kaplan and, and his, his disciples who actively preached and lived that we have to, in order for Judaism to thrive in any era, we have to bring our Jewish values and integrate them with what we think are the best Jewish values of the society we're living in. We're, and, and so, as a modern Jew, inclusiveness is one of my values. And other Jews would say, what are you talking about? How are you going to preserve the Jewish people if you just include everybody? Because preserving the Jewish people is a core Jewish value, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Um, that's why we're here, right? So remember, and preserving the Jewish people. So, American liberal Jews have a conflict of values. I fully embrace inclusiveness as something that I want Judaism to integrate into our very being as a Jewish value. And so I live that. And it creates a conflict because my other value is preserving Jewish particularity. Right? I want there to be a Jewish people. And so I find myself, as a Jewish leader, constantly in an internal debate about where to land on this pole of particularism and inclusivity. Make sense, everybody? I'm saying that without uh, 
I'm saying that as clearly as I can, that I am always wrestling with that. So I would put inclusiveness there. I, I think you're kind of saying there's a balance between the, the fundamental separateness of the Jewish people as, as called out by God and, and a desire to, to have this inclusiveness, but I'm not sure what sort of an example, if you have examples of where you think they come into conflict directly. Sure, sure. Here on our board, we had to debate whether non-Jewish people could become members of our congregation. Okay. Right? That's a classic example that synagogues all over the country are facing. Here's a non-Jewish person who wants to be part of the Jewish community. Do they have to convert first before we invite them as members? Of course they're invited to come in. Our doors are open. And so this becomes a big debate between, well, what does it mean to be part of a Jewish community? Do you need to, um, uh, how are you a member of a Jewish community if you're not Jewish? And we are in the midst of this um, changing situation right now and trying to make good, um, I, I said so many times it's a compromise because life is not a textbook. Life is a, about having competing values. Rabbi Miriam wants to add something about that. I think it, it also, like inclusiveness is such a broad term, so it also depends on what you're talking about including, right? Because we have, we all have multiple identities. So if we're talking about including women or including LGBTQ people who are also Jewish. Right, inclusiveness could be. Thank you. So how I want to say that is that um, this would be a holy argument. The holy argument is, I say in being as inclusive as possible is the best thing to do in order to ensure Jewish preservation. And someone else could say, what are you, crazy? I think being exclusive is the best way to do it. And that debate has caused a chasm in the American Jewish world and around the world. The chasm is right between the Orthodox and conservative and other reform and reconstructionists and other liberal Jews about inclusivity. Um, and uh, I, I have said many times, and I'll say it here, I, I, I'm happy and excited about the experiment of inclusivity as becoming a core Jewish value, and we'll see what happens. Part of, this is where humility comes in too, because I don't know, I, I don't know, and furthermore, none of us know, and furthermore, only if we could look back, say if, if maybe 200 years from now, we can look back, we'll see what happened to the Jewish people in this ferment of uh, uh, modern democratic and egalitarian values being integrated into Jewish life. Does that make sense? So I want to say that I approach these things humbly. Um, and the best I can do is to be aware of my values and how I'm applying them. Uh, yeah, I just, Meg? Some people say me kol 
Right, some of you say, who've chosen us with all the nations and some up from among all the nations. And I just let that cacophony stand because we're all here together anyway. It's covered by the Torah, the centrality of the Torah. Uh, right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this list could become very, it's already very, very long. And I think it's very interesting if we had the time, if we were going to then create a, uh, a chart with a, um, sort of, uh, <laughs> that'd be a great thing to do, wouldn't it? To kind of create a chart. One God leads to these values, leads to a tree. You know what I mean? That would be really interesting. But being set, uh, um, uh, do not covet being satisfied with what you have. Oh, yeah, we're great at that. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but it is. It's at least an instruction. Um, Joan? Seeing this is a conversation, again, I don't want to like, distract us in the wrong direction, but what comes up for me is a whole conversation about intermarriage and whether I, you know, when I was studying in cantorial school, I discovered for the first time that the other movements, um, or all, none of the movements allow interfaith marriage officially. So that was a decision I'm sure that you had to make. I've been part of that debate, which goes under which rubric? Preservation of the group versus inclusivity, mm -hmm. right? So I, I don't think there's anything we have to write about that. It's a reflection of that tension of American Jews in uh, embracing the American values and ethos and, and seeing how that can integrate into our more traditional pre-modern values. Yes? Where it becomes problematic for a congregation. And, and, and I, I just remember years ago, our entire debate about whether to join the Reconstructionist movement or not, things like that, and that we railed against the limitations, the formality that would come from that, that might include stopping us from the inclusivity that you very much so much So let me, uh, and, and yes, uh, that was a pretty, uh, that was not for the sake of having that debate. That was a long time ago. David? I don't know how you would phrase it, but refrain from judging. Refrain from judging. Uh, how do we? Um, um, Hillel said, do not judge another until you've stood in his place. Um, uh, we're all made in the divine image. We're all made in the image of God, yeah. Uh, I would put it in that category. Um, now, uh, another hand that I see, because I want to say a couple of others that haven't been mentioned yet. Well, I want to thank the gentleman who said inclusiveness, which was the first of, of all the things that were said that we said, oh, you know, mm -hmm. a little more debate. Because so many of these things, it reminds me when people are running for school board, they stand up and they say, I want to do what's best for the children. <laughs> And what does that mean? The devil's in the details. And so many of these values, yeah, of course, everybody, everybody on both sides of every conflict agrees with, on all sides, thank you, all sides of every conflict agrees with most or all of these values. Certainly with the majority, but it's in the details of. Mm hmm. Okay, yes. Well, again, Part of the um, deeply satisfying and incredibly annoying uh, uh, parts of being uh, part of a community 
is that we've, we have these debates, right? And uh, of course, I just want to say, do it my way. But, uh, uh, so, uh, but if we don't have these debates, we don't actually know what we're talking about or what the other person's talking about. Now, I want to add a couple of things. I'd say a core Jewish value, um, it, have we said community? Kehillah. That it's a core Jewish value to belong to a Jewish community. And um, again, I think one of the conflicts that we have with modern American values is that individualism and total free choice is a high American value. And we see the conflict of values all the time in our community. You know, because a community will function best if everyone puts the community essentially very high up on their priority list, that their well-being is tied in with the well-being of the community. But that's not the American value that uh, is predominant. And so, not to mention cons the consumer culture. So, um, so we, I find in this case that I want, that I consider Judaism to be counter-cultural. And there is an American value of hyper-individualism that I want to keep at bay from the Jewish community by reinforcing the Jewish value of community. Do you follow what I'm saying? Um, I don't embrace all of the American ethos. I embrace what I consider to be the most elevating parts of it. And I think that, for example, hyper-individualism has, has gone against what is clearly a core Jewish value of attachment to family and community and loyalty to the Jewish people. I think that's a Jewish value that many of us are uncomfortable with uh, at times. But our uh, connection to the Jewish people, in addition to our Jewish community, I think that's a Jewish value. And again, in a time of universalism versus particularity, we find ourselves tugged back and forth all the time. Uh, I would say another Jewish value is um, the land of Israel. We haven't said it yet. Uh, but it's clearly a Jewish value. We've been praying for it for 2,000 years, and we've achieved it. Um, so as a general, you know, uh, uh, it's clearly that our, our connection to and attachment to the land of Israel, not all of us may harbor that value ourselves, but I think it's a Jewish value. I think it's uh, undeniable. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yes, Joseph. Mm -hmm. If Jewish preservation, as we've said, is a core Jewish value, then the existence of the state of Israel is related to that as a core of Jewish value, Exi the state of Israel. Uh, and supporting it and understanding its, its place is of core Jewish value. That doesn't mean lockstep this or that, or it doesn't mean agreeing with this party or that party, but as a fundamental value, I think it's undeniable, and it's uh, certainly part of my being. Uh, Wendy? Yeah, I think that's where the, the other half of your title for today comes Jewish in. Values right. in Troubled Times. And I think that's right where the Troubled Times comes in. That's right. That's right. We're going to talk about that soon. Um, but there's a couple more that I, wanted to, that I wrote down that I haven't heard yet. Oh, oh yes, Joan. Well, how do you say love, loving kindness, mercy? Yes, loving kindness. 
Uh, put it with Rachmanus, put it with compassion, chesed, love, loving kindness, acts of loving kindness. Yes, I would put that right with Rachmanus. Shabbat. Shabbat, how is that a Jewish value? That, that to take, you have to stop, you have to take care of yourself. You, mm -hmm. have, to you have to have, a, everybody gets a Sabbath. The idea of Shabbat in terms of connecting with we have one God as a value, however we understand that God. Shabbat is our day to be with God and be with each other. Yeah, it's an amazing idea. Uh, yes, Glenn? Righteousness. Righteousness. That's tzedek. Justice and righteousness fall in the same category. Doing the right thing. Yeah, doing the right thing. So that's important, doing the right thing. Uh, we know that. Warren? called Shmirat HaGuf. Shmirat HaGuf, care for your own body, is actually a Jewish value, no matter how poorly it's been uh, um, fulfilled through our centuries of exile. I mean, one of, the, one of the things that happened to the Jewish people in exile was that we, we, we didn't have an opportunity to nourish and nurture our bodies. That was like an afterthought. Um, and it is a Jewish value uh, that we want to reclaim. Uh, I want to add Shalom. Just shalom, the pursuit of peace. I mean, it's so clearly, it, 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 that word must occur more than any other word in our prayer book. Um, and I would also add another word as a core Jewish value, which is tikva, hope. I think hope, and not giving up hope, and preserving hope. I think you have to, I, I have to put it down as a core Jewish value. Do you, do, do you follow what I'm saying? It seems to be such an essential part. I mean, we, we, we make a lot of jokes about it because it's, been a, lo it's a long road, but hope is, uh, for me, another value that I would put up there. Uh, yes, Ivy? What you say, it, it's how I understand Jews' life. It's the hopefulness. It's the hoping that there is better to come, that we can make a difference. Right. That life has purpose and meaning, yeah. that it's not random and just a, just a crapshoot. Right, that we can make a difference. Thank you. Yes, Jane. Um, the scripture left, but among my Gentile friends, yeah. they so often, like, something good will happen and then all this, and their response to me always is mazel tov, but they don't know what they're saying, but they're saying something beautiful. <coughs> That's nice. That's nice. You know, it's, it, it falls in there somewhere. But it's, it's kind of... The, I yes. Don't I don't know. Appreciation, gratitude. Appreciation, gratitude, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Joan? Well, I want to say maybe it bridges toward the, the trolling part of the title of your talk, but um, it's so hard for me. Balance, you know, to achieve balance is such an important basic principle. But where does it where do we find it in our Jewish tradition? We find it, for example, in this whole plethora of rules that has, on the one hand, loving kindness and, and, and peace and shalom, and on the other hand, all the commandments we've been given to go and slay the opponent and to, to represent... Joan, but I don't think those like, continue as Jewish values. But, well, I'm just saying, it, the tro 
troubling times part raises up for me. How do we balance the need to, to uh, uh, fervently uphold the values and the, and the survival of the people while respecting and caring for and, and being in the face of opposing values and an equal, equal you know, demand? And yes. How do we balance that? Is, that is what certainly the point I'm making over and over again. Um, so I just want to, but for the sake of clarity, Jewish values and the Torah are not co-equal. Jewish values are the interpretation of the Torah that has risen to the top over the course of the last 2,500 years. So for example, and this is the most important example I can give, there are many commandments to slay and to kill and to stone in the Torah. We know that, right? The rabbis of the Greek and Roman period knew that too. And in their interpretation of the Torah, they marginalized those commandments. There's a famous saying in the uh, Mishnah Sanhedrin that says uh, that they eliminated the death penalty. And they eliminated it. It's an interesting piece of study by not saying the Torah is wrong because they couldn't say that. They said, but it only applies when there are X number of eyewitnesses and their testimony corroborates and this and that and this. And then they say, and if a court had one execution in 70 years, it has blood on its hands. So what, did, what happened there? The commandment of, no, the commandment that um, we are, every human being is made in the image of God, uh, rose up above the others in Jewish, as Judaism evolved. Does that make sense, everybody? And so think so that there's a common misunderstanding that if you read the Torah, you're, you're reading about Judaism. No, you're reading about the origins of Judaism. The reason we're still here is because we've been talking about it for 3,000 years and refining it and developing it. And so we are a living tradition for that reason. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to say that, and uh, partly because because uh, Joan raised that. So now what I want to excuse me, so that you're saying there are no absolutes. It's an evolving process. This is a conflict of values. Are there absolute values? I think there are. I think you know uh, uh, the sanctity of life is an absolute Jewish value, and yet I think uh, justice and the pursuit of justice is an absolute Jewish value. But these absolute values exist only as concepts. They have to be applied to each situation. So, for example, your life is endangered by someone who's attacking you. Are you allowed to kill them? This is a big debate in Jewish thought. Uh, and the answer is yes. If your life is immediately endangered, the life of your family, uh, uh, you are allowed to kill in self-defense. So what about the sanctity of life? Well, you want to be a purist? Be a purist. But life isn't pure. These laws, just a minute, the judgments like these are part and parcel of how the Israeli army trains its soldiers in the ethics of warfare. Right? And, and so, um, again, in a very complex situation, the, uh, the soldiers in the IDF learn about these value conflicts and how to enact them in wartime. It's called purity of arms 
in Israel. And of course, it's flawed in many situations, but it's part and parcel of trying to adapt Jewish values to complex and life-threatening situations. So yeah, there, there are absolute ideas, which I, which I think we could agree on, uh, a number of them, but their application always has to be nuanced because life is different in different situations. So that's like not telling the broad she's ugly, mm -hmm. but saying you look radiant. You look radiant because you're, you're, you, you're valuing um, uh, um, uh, treating someone with love and compassion higher than sharing your truthful opinion, um, which shouldn't be too complicated. That's finding the truth. You look radiant is probably true. She's a bride, but let's assume it is. It's finding the way of saying it so that it is true. It's not a lie. I am telling the truth. If you can find I'm just a, telling the other truth. I'm just not telling the other truth. And the way I talk about this is that, the, the, and this is, just, this is my take, which is the commandment not to be a false witness to your fellow. Um, you could, in its, in its narrow sense, is applied to courtroom, right? That when you're a witness, you cannot make up a story to incriminate someone uh, who hasn't committed a crime. That's like, come on. Uh, however, in its broader sense, and I didn't make this up, I, but I, I track it, in its broader sense, it means being a false witness is treating someone or relating to someone as if they're not made in the image of God. Because the truth of every human being is they have a divine spark. So, so you can apply this in all kinds, all kinds of ways. Yes, Mark, and then so, some more so hints. So you're, you're dealing with particulars, you know, as like laws and what's written, you know, as, as a commandment and how it, it, it might not apply. But then why is God, um, God, and, and I'm no scholar, so yeah. I mean, there's a lot of examples, but, you know, Noah wiped out humanity, or uh, Sodom and Gomorrah wiped out cities, or, you know, because uh, God did not like what was going on. Yeah. And, and, and there's punishments that are so severe that it's, it's unbelievable, you know, I mean, so why is God portrayed as that if we're supposed to, if we're supposed to, you know, be... I think a short answer is, because the sacred texts two things about them, and we've talked about this a lot. Number one, they're not meant to be taken literally. And we make a grave error in reading these stories as literal history rather than as teaching tales. Um, uh, the teaching tale message of uh, a story like that is that the creator doesn't, doesn't want to tolerate immorality, violence, and cruelty. Right? That, the that the creator expected us that justice exists inherent in the universe, like the, mar the, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice, that that's an inherent quality of the universe. And when we do not pursue that with our lives, we are sullying creation. So there's a teaching in that story. The other thing to understand is the Torah says that because it was completed in about 500 BCE. We're living now 2,500 years later. I repeat again, we are the inheritors of a 2,500 year, at least, conversation about what we want to amplify in these stories 
and what we want to leave on sideline. And Judaism does not amplify the, you know, the cruel and vindictive God. That's not the way we rolled. Um, Is, would an ultra-Orthodox person say the same thing you say? Nope. I'm sorry, I don't know. Nope, nope. Listen, uh, I'll take a couple more hands, and then I want to move us into another thing. Yes? I, I would just like to say, you know, in God's defense, even in an, even in an uncomfortable situation like... Oh, can we not have conversations while like, one person's talking? Like the, you know, in the Exodus, when the, when the Egyptians are finally destroyed in the Red Sea, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like God delights to destroy the Egyptians or that Israel celebrates the destruction of the Egyptians. It was, I, I take it as a case of conflicted values. The preservation of the Jewish people was a value higher than allowing the, uh, the, the Egyptians to destroy the Jews. And the choice was a, was a difficult one, and God did not celebrate the death. God celebrates no deaths. I, I just simply mm -hmm. do not believe God mm -hmm. ever celebrates mm -hmm. the death. The value that was um, celebrated there, thank you, is not just the preservation of the Jewish people, but the liberation of slaves. Judaism values the, the freeing of anyone from oppression. I think that's clear. And that also goes under the we are all created in the image of God category. If we are all created in the image of God, how could you take another human being and treat them as chattel? And, and how can, if we're created in the image of God, how can, as an image of God, how can this image destroy other people? And exactly. All the cruelties. I exactly. That's such a basic idea to, to, to synthesize. I consider that to be the sublime and central idea of the Torah that was an innovation at its time. Not that only the king was divine, because that's how, it, that's how it works, right, up until the present time, with the language of monarchy, representative of God, you know, God's representative on earth, by divine right, right? This has been going on for thousands of years. And yet Judaism, some 3,000 years ago, somehow Moses came up with this sublime concept. No, 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 no. There's one creator God, and God created every human being. And therefore, no human being has a right to claim divine right to subjugate other human beings. And that also is embedded in the Ten Commandments under the commandment of Shabbat. Shabbat God is the signifier that we're all, none of us can, with impunity, lord it over anybody else. You have to let everyone rest on Shabbat. It's the great equalizer. So thank you. Uh, Joan? Oh, good. Don't you think the value of questioning is a core Jewish value? Mystery and question, because it's a door open. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Jane? Um, I also remember hearing, and I don't know if this is a commandment, a teaching, a suggestion, but on Shabbat, a married couple is suggested, commanded, whatever, to make love and to also... Like, it's a teaching also for the children and the family that this is just that, that mommy and daddy have special time. <laughs> it is. But, so I remember, I learned that from Red Solomon. Yes, yes, yes. Um, which would be the sanctity of marriage? 
in Judaism. I think that's a central Jewish value. And then again, in modern times, what I do with my, is that I say, okay, the, the value is, is the sanctity of, uh, I mean, the, even the Hebrew word for marriage is kiddushin, which means sanctity, right? It's a sacred container. And so the thing is, we can now expand the idea of who can make a sacred container with who. We don't have to be wedded to the previous earlier categories and still celebrate that Jewish value. That's how I do it. It's why I've always performed weddings uh, for people of same-sex marriages and, and, and uh, uh, always will. So I hope this is interesting to you because uh, now let's go, let's, let's address the question that I put in. So here is a raging value conflict in the Jewish world right now. Uh, uh, the current administration is giving the Israeli government everything it wants. It is uh, putting the uh, embassy in Jerusalem. It is uh, uh, denying funding to the Palestinians. Uh, it is uh, indicating that Israel, if they wanted, could annex any territory they want. Um, it, it's, it, it's ready to go to bat for Israel on anything. Okay. There are a lot of Jews who are very excited about that in this country, right? Um, you can imagine that I'm con deeply conflicted about it because of all these other Jewish values, right? I am not a one-issue voter, right? Because Jewish values for me are cover, and thank you so much for this great list. Um, <laughs> because Jewish values include so many other um, qualities of ethical behavior, telling the truth, not shaming people, um, uh, uh, humility, um, uh, uh, treating everyone as in the image of God. I mean, it's like, so how do we roll? Do we become entirely, or if we already are, entirely cynical about politics and international relations and just say, hey, what's good for Israel? It's like, I'm going with it because every politician's a liar and a cheat anyway. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I hear that, right? Or do we hold that? No. Um, politics, however, and international relations, however debased they are throughout human history, what Judaism brings to the table is that morality has to be injected into that conversation. For me, that's indisputable because one of the Jewish values is that there is an objective, existing, superhuman morality that humans have to aspire to, that even cross-culturally there are the sanctity of life, and other things that even if, even if we come in conflict with other cultures' values, we consider these values to be transcendent. Furthermore, when Abraham confronts God, and this comes back to Sodom and Gomorrah, who, the, the, if you study that story, it's amazing because God says to Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. They're too wicked. And what does Abraham do? He steps up to God and says, wait, will not the judge of all the world act with justice? Abraham confronts the creator and says, 
I thought you created a just world. What are you doing? So it's almost like Judaism has railed against the apparent injustice of the universe with a steadfast faith forever. And so it seems to me a core Jewish value that morality and moral behavior has to be part and parcel of how we behave, not just in our families and in our communities, but in our politics and in the human race. So therefore, for me, as you might guess, blanket um, uh, uh, support of, of, of the Israeli government at this point without consideration for any, without any moral considerations about what's right and wrong, and I consider those moral considerations to be a debate, not something I can say, you know, I, I can't decree. But if, if, if the moral considerations are not included in the support of Israel, then I take question. Now, I want to add something else about that, which is that this is a debate raging within Israel. Um, and has been since the origin of the state. The Jewish people, in some interesting way, we were advantaged by having no political power for 2,000 years. How were we advantaged? We could continue to carry our critique of the need for morality and statecraft without having to apply it, right? Um, it allowed us to preserve this teaching without having to apply it because it appears that humans are uh, um, astonishingly corruptible by power, right? So there are many books that have been written, called, one, one by David Beale called Jews in Power, and many others, which considers, okay, now that we have state power again, how are we going to apply Jewish values to the implementation of statecraft. It's not clear whether it's ultimately how. I don't know. I'm saying that with all humility. It's like, can it be pulled off anywhere? Um, and yet, I know that if voices for morality in statecraft and international politics don't speak up, it will certainly not be implemented. And I, know for a, I also know that Judaism insists that, mora that moral behavior has to be a part of every, every court, every government, every has to be because none of us can treat anyone else as uh, less than human because we're all created in the image of God. And so, so uh, for me, that's why, that would be my little speech about why I can't be one of the cheerleaders for uh, uh, the current administration's un, absolutely unqualified um, support of the Israeli government because I feel it's not Jewish to have a Jewish state that isn't infused with a debate about what the right thing to do is and have it only be, it's like taking one value and making it the value. Whereas for me, the glory of Judaism is our debate, our 3,000 year discussion of ethics. What that means is that we're very inefficient. Um, and I think we could say the same about democracy, functioning democracy, right? 
I think Judaism, in its love of debate and pursuit of justice and the idea that everyone's created in the image of God, is actually an early precursor to what the modern era has elevated to central Jewish values of liberal, central values of liberal democracy. The sanctity of life, the need for treating everyone just with justice, all of those, all of those values. So, um, so for me, liberal democracy and Judaism align very nicely. Um, and I, uh, with some difficulties, such as having to integrate inclusivity, because this is a problem of not just the state of Israel, but of every nation state. You know, how do you incorporate refugees, people from other ethnic backgrounds into your state? Can they become citizens of your state? Do you keep them out? Do you let them in? It's like, we're talking about it all over the world, and we're talking about it in Israel. And um, so, um, so I was saying it's inefficient, but uh, for me it's sublime. And I think the fact that we have state power in the last 70 two years, um, puts us in a, a, a privileged and incredibly challenging position to, as a Jewish people, continue to consider the Jewish way, even as we have to navigate as a very small state in, a, in, a, in a, an international po political body full of sharks and full of predators, and full of, full of forces that don't wish us well. How do we retain this sublime essence of what it means to be Jewish? Um, I, that is, that's a huge concern of mine. Um, and uh, I'm always heartened by uh, the number of people in Israel who are still concerned about that, who haven't turned into one issue voters, uh, 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 the, uh, or as they say, uh, so when you put the well-being of the state above all of our values, that's called fascism. That's a definition of fascism. And uh, um, it's, it, it, so if the state and the preservation of the state and the existence of the state are your only value, and every other value that you hold can be subjugated or pushed aside under that core mission, you have fascism. Judaism cannot abide by that. Right? We, we can't. Uh, it's, it, if anything's antithetical to Judaism, it would be uh, uh, an, a, 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 a situation where the existence of the government, the state, the state apparatus would, be, would supersede any other of these considerations. So um, when I'm in Israel, I like going especially to a place called the Shalom Hartman Institute, where they debate these things. And they're a think tank. And uh, um, I suggest you look them up, the Shalom Hartman Institute. Uh, there are still very, very engaged, active bodies in Israel that are debating this. But they are fighting against a tide. What's that tide? It's not just a tide in Israel. It's the rise of ultranationalism all over the world. And we are in it right this moment. We're watching our democracy possibly come apart at the seams right at this moment. Uh, it's happening in Hungary. 
It's happening in um, uh, right-wing resurgent parties all over Europe, and it's certainly happening in Brazil, um, Australia. Australia. Yes, definitely Australia. This is happening worldwide. The pendulum from liberal democracy is swinging right now back towards ultranationalism and fascism. And uh, I think one of the things I love about being Jewish is that on Passover we say, in every generation, somebody's risen up to try to destroy us, and we're still here. So what I mean by that is that the advantage of being some of the oldest losers in human history is that we have watched empires rise and fall, and we watch it with a jaundiced eye. And if we get, you know, and I mean it, I mean, we start with uh, Egypt, then we move on to the Assyrian Empire, then Babylonia, then Persia, then Alexander the Great, then Rome, and, uh, uh, and it keeps going, and uh, uh, we persisted. We didn't persist by worshiping state power. That's not the key to Jewish survival. It's a blessing that we have state power, but if we worship it, uh, we have abandoned uh, the, the sort of the, the precious bitter gift of having been a, 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 a powerless people for all of these thousands of years. Uh, we, somehow we have to take the powerlessness of the, the understanding that power is fleeting, that empires rise and fall, and that the preservation of our community is based on something other than state and military power uh, in order to kind of temper uh, what it means now to be once again with an army and part of an international uh, community. Community is the wrong word. Uh, that community means something good, not just community international uh, system of uh, global governance that uh, uh, somehow there's something special about being Jewish. And we have to retain that specialness even now that we've rejoined the family of nations. Would anyone else like to comment about that? Uh, Ronnie? I think I agree with you that there is something special about Jew Jewishness. And well, just as a for instance, uh, we used to live in Israel, and uh, my husband became ill. He had to go to hospital. Uh, it was a two-patient room. The other patient in the room was an Arab. His family came in multitudes, <laughs> and there was always a bunch of chatter and talk and and they took our chairs because we were only the two of us at the time. Uh, and there was no question about them being there. Mm -hmm. Like there was no question about the baby clinics, the well, it was such a nice concept. Yes. Well baby clinics where you bring your baby, not when he was just sick, but checkups, regular mm -hmm. checkups. And there were always lines there, you know, Arab Jews. There was incidents in the restaurants, in the department stores, where the food court was open, everybody would be there. Mm -hmm. Arab mothers with all their little ones and Jewish mothers with all their little ones. And these are all Jewish values to me. Thank you. And they exist, oh, more yet, I could give you when Lebanon was fighting with Israel, and Israel was being bombed by the Lebanese, at the border, 
uh, there was something called a good fence. Mm -hmm. And that good fence meant that if you were in Lebanon and your kid was sick, you could bring them across the border and Israel would help them. Mm -hmm. I was there, we were there, uh, during one incident where the father was carrying this little child in his arms and he was admitted, went into the little clinic they had set up, came out, it sounds ridiculous, but I swear to God, the kid was smiling and the father was thankful and he went across the border with him. And I hope to God this kid will remember and the father will remember when it comes to doing harm. Mm -hmm. So these are basic Jewish values. Well said. That, that maintained itself regardless of any political situation. Thank you. And we have not forgotten in the instance of now, the situation now, that we are Jewish and that we also have to maintain out of respect for, for living. We must live. Yes. We cannot sacrifice ourselves That's right. on the stage of some humanity or something else that is greater than we are. Or that mm -hmm. is, we are supposed to consider, it's okay, there are other people, never mind if you're going to die in the process. So uh, I really do not agree at all that we have lost this high morality instinct. Mm -hmm. I think it comes from us. I think we see it on the streets where people will help each other, will help strangers. in any way to rebuff the idea that the morality of Israel does not exist or is lessened or is less valued than anybody else's. And we must also look out for ourselves and our posterity so that Israel will be surviving years and years and years That's right. to continue giving to humanity. That's right. We have given so much in terms of investigation, <coughs> creation, art, medicine, literature, anything, so that we can continue for the world to be a recipient. Thank you, Ronnie. So I think Ronnie has articulated the conflict of values that we Jews in the modern state of Israel face. The value of self-preservation, clearly a core Jewish value. We wrote it up there, didn't we? Uh, uh, the, val the value of, of well, yeah, it's, you can't, as you know, Yitzhak Rabin said in his uh, Nobel Prize speech, our first, uh, we have to protect the lives of our citizens, right? The Jewish preservation, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't a core Jewish value. In fact, it's one of the most astonishingly accomplished Jewish values. And the state of Israel represents that in its essence. And so I'm agreeing with you, Ronnie. Uh, and you also see some of the best um, uh, in Israel, especially if you go into the healthcare system, where if you go to a hospital, there is absolutely no discrimination 
based on what your uh, religious or ethnic background is. And you don't know if your doctor's an Arab Israeli or a Jewish Israeli. And the healthcare system uh, really reflects this in Israel. And it's inspiring. It's really inspiring. So the conflict of values is self-preservation in tension with kindness, compassion, justice to the people who aren't part of your group. And this is a incredibly difficult balance for Israel to maintain, especially because, I don't think I need to remind this group, um, their neighbor is Syria, for example, uh, where Iran has outposts, where uh, half a million of uh, Assad butchered half a million of his own citizens. Its neighbor is Egypt. Which, uh, where their Arab Spring was mercilessly crushed and they now have a new dictator. Its neighbor is Saudi Arabia, for God's sake. Um, and, its and its far away neighbor who has made beachheads in Lebanon and Syria is Iran, who has vowed its destruction. Okay, so let's not forget the situation Israel faces. A country can lose its soul Israel has not lost its soul. However, I'm going to tell you that the trend towards single-issue Judaism, preservation at the expense of morality, justice, fairness, is happening in Israel just like it's happening in the United States. It's not a done deal, but our heads are in the sand if we don't listen to the words of the current prime minister and his actions. And so while I completely agree with you, I think you know how devoted I am to Israel, uh, I think we have to be vigilant against the value of self-preservation as a Jewish state taking precedence over these other Jewish values. That is my point, and it's how, if I was an Israeli citizen, how I'd use my vote, right? And we would engage in spirited debate about that. Uh, so uh, thank you for those comments, Ronnie. We're almost out of time. Mark? So I look at that list up there, and, and uh, first of all, I, I definitely agree with this, this young lady. This is Ronnie. Ronnie, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've been to Israel, but, you know, but that, that doesn't even, I just, I have no doubt that, you know, just the thing with the army and, and, and you know, how they're trained to respect civilians, and then they bomb something, they drop flyers. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, I look at that list, and everything on that list, almost everything, so many things, reflect, you know, what's happening in this country, you know, as far as, you know, the, you know, the far right, Trump, all this stuff, not, you know, it's an emotional issue, I know, but, you know, you look at family, you look at uh, the environment, you look at business, you look at humility, you look at telling the truth, you look at everything and it's exactly antithetical to what's happening now and to me that's that's so important I mean, right so yeah. i want i would like to suggest that i have two more comments and i think we have to wrap up judaism represents a counterculture right now if we embrace jewish values we embrace a, a basically countercultural kind of a value system to the predominant value system in our discourse right now and I think that's very important. I think it's good to articulate. The other thing that I want to say is that as we talk about Israel, we can't ignore the fact 
that Jewish values are severely threatened by the fact that we control politically uh, several million Palestinians who do not have citizenship or equal rights, right? I'm not saying that uh, there's plenty of reasons why the occupation of Palestinian villages and towns uh, is, is, has been necessary for Jewish survival. But the erosion of Jewish values that has accompanied that is corrosive, right? What is it about if everyone's made in the image of God and if we're supposed to have equal justice for all regardless, yes, there is a court system. But many Palestinians uh, are, are, uh, are under military um, court systems, not the, um, uh, not the secular court, not the, uh, the uh, high court of Israel. So Israel has severe dilemmas in terms of, in the real world, how do you maintain the sublime and central and inspiring Jewish values while you deny full equal rights to people under your control, okay? We cannot avoid that discussion. And again, I am speaking as someone, I am so on Israel's side, you have no idea. You have no idea, but I can't, if I am, as a, as a Jewish teacher, my job is to teach Jewish values. I can't ignore that. I can't, I can't whitewash it. I know the history, and nonetheless, if, if Jews don't stick their neck out for what's made Judaism sublime, we're in trouble. And is it worth it? Of course. Is it worth it? Well, what if it preserves Judaism? We have a dilemma. Do you follow what I'm saying? I don't have a recipe, I, but I insist that sacred argument, that debate for the sake of the highest good, which is such a beautiful Jewish value, has to be retained, which is why I appreciate that you're all here and that we can talk about it. Uh, okay, it's uh, one more. I think one thing you're saying, I mean, essentially, the issue is that, you know, if, if you're going to compromise in this way to preserve Judaism, you will have preserved the Judaism that none of us in this room recognize. Good point. It is not a Juda it is not Judaism as we recognize it today. You, you have preserved something, but you have not preserved your core values. And, th and this is not something we should do. Conspicuously absent from your list of Jewish values is fear. And uh, I think, you know, fear that drives this kind of extreme, you know, self-preservation compromise is never going to be what protects the Jewish people or mm. protects Israel. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was well said. Thank you. Joseph, yes. Good. I like that. You like that? On the other hand. That's right. That's right. In the, in the heart of battle, fear, and your life being threatened, you can lose sight of uh, our wonderful values. So then what do you do? And I think if Judaism stands for anything, it stands for we're not going to forget that. We're not going to give this up. And, uh, um, uh, and I hope I've made clear that I say this. I have strong opinions, but 
my strongest opinion is that we have a dilemma. We have a conflict of values in Israel, just as we have in our own community, different conflicts. Uh, and uh, this holy conversation, for me, is one of the core values of Judaism, that we sit and talk about it, right? And uh, then the, our capacity to walk out of this room and not hate each other, that is the greatest accomplishment of all. I mean it. So it's, it's after two. So I, I want to let you go. And um, I hope people feel like they've expressed themselves and, and also that they've learned something from this conversation. Thank you. Thank you.